Thank you, worship team. I love that new song. It's such a great, great message for us. We're in a series uh, that I've called Kingdom Culture. We are studying through the most famous sermon in all of history, in all of uh, mankind, and that is the Sermon on the Mount, we call it. This Jesus that we have been uh, singing about sat down on a beautiful mountainside, and there uh, he began to speak and talk to hundreds and, and even thousands of people. On the back wall, uh, I'm looking for the, there we go. I like to be able to see what you're seeing, and that's helpful. Uh, I want us to do something a little bit different uh, this weekend, and I'm going to invite you. We just have one verse that we will study tonight, so I want to invite you to stand. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and I'd like for us to read uh, aloud, out, uh, out loud the, uh, the verse that we're going to be in and uh, kind of begin to soak in it a little bit. Let's read this aloud. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word that you, you uttered these words uh, upon the people. You, you spoke as Jesus, you spoke over the people and you speak over us. And you made these declarations that come across centuries and we desire to know and be changed by these truths that you declared. And so we seek you in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We began the Sermon on the Mount studying the eight Beatitudes uh, which describe uh, sort of the functional reality of, of what's going on. We looked at the launch of Christian living. It started with the ignition, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. When we realize that we need God, that's the beginning point. And then we, we described uh, as Jesus was giving us each of these blessings, the fuel and the thrust and the trajectory and the obstacles finally that were going to come. We called it drag, the things that drag us down, persecution. And in those 10 verses, really, we have a definition of what it means to be a Christ follower. We talk, we use that phrase a lot. This is a definition that we've been studying for the last nine weeks. And I would invite you, if you haven't uh, heard those messages, go back. They're available on our webpage. But then in uh, verses 13 through 16, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, we have uh, a description of uh, the functional reality of how we are to engage the world. How, what happens next? We've been launched, but how do we, what are we supposed to do now? And it's a really important part of our study. What does the kingdom culture look like? And, and how do we engage in the mission that God has for us? And how is that mission manifested? So that's what we're digging into now, the next couple of weeks. The master teacher, Jesus, uh, used two images uh, to teach the manner of engagement, salt and light. And really they go together, but they are very different. They, they show us different aspects of how we engage. Both images describe how we are to be in the world and yet not of the world. 
Uh, salt and light are, are these physical representations, really, of the church, what I'm going to call the church distributed. Uh, right now, we're a church gathered. But as soon as we're done here, we are to be a church distributed. And that's what he's talking about here. Both are a picture of what I would call kingdom influence. We're talking about the way you influence the world around you. So Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What did he mean by that? Salt, earth, what, what, what are we talking about here? Uh, and in the first century, they would have immediately uh, thought of certain things uh, because salt was very significant in the first century in the ancient world. And they would have thought of, of things that were powerfully important in that culture. Um, but Jesus would have also been aware of the enduring power of these images. He was speaking to you. And, and there were things that the people there would not have known immediately. Uh, they wouldn't have known much about the chemistry that I, I think is very powerful as we think about salt. Uh, and, and yet he speaks across the ages so that we can uh, know those things as well. Jesus was declaring four kingdom truths over you. And I want to lift those before you as we, as we get started here. And the first one is that you are necessary for life. I, I've done a lot of studying. I just always do that. I love that. And I've studied a lot about salt. And salt is absolutely essential for life. Uh, I, I didn't know it, but that, that salinity of the ocean is just about exactly the same as the salinity of your blood. And, and there's this balance in God's creation that is amazing. So salt, which is uh, sodium chloride, is this amazing mineral with many, many benefits and uses. Salt is essential for you to stay alive. I, I remember when we played football, we would discover that sometimes because you start to cramp up. Uh, I, I played football in Florida, in the Florida heat in August, and boy, it is hot. And, uh, and the... Uh, Folks would come around, uh, not the coaches, but the, the water boys and stuff, and would give us salt tablets because we needed salt. We needed to replenish the salt. Salt is essential for life. And, it, and what Jesus was saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are necessary for the welfare of the world. And that's just the first thing that we want to catch hold of here. The second is that you are an agent of change because salt changes everything that it comes in contact with. Salt engages uh, in, in really powerful ways. It readily dissolves in water, and yet it does an amazing thing. It attracts water out of the cells that are, are, are nearby. It's one of the things that it does. And it interacts chemically with any compound that it comes in touch with. So that's part of it is that we as salt of the earth are intended to bring about change around us. And I, Jesus knew that. Uh, you, know, you, you might say, did Jesus know chemistry? Well, yeah. <laughs> he invented it. He spoke it into being. And so Jesus knew chemistry. I'm convinced that, that Jesus could have walked into any university, anywhere, and looked at the board and said, oh, I need to help you with this, and corrected whatever kind of equation they have been working on. But in chemistry, um, salt is a catalyst 
we call it. And so uh, catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of reaction. Now, I know some of you are saying, oh boy, if we're going to back, back to chemistry class, I, I need to get out of here. So don't worry about that. We're not going to go into it too much. But uh, a catalyst actually doesn't make anything happen, but it brings, it brings about as a reagent, it brings uh, the reaction faster. And so its presence brings influence and change. God is who changes the things around you. But we, as, as a catalyst, help to bring that about more quickly. In, in a way, Jesus was saying, you are my catalyst of change on this earth. I, I'm using you to bring about transformation in the people that are around you. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. They need that. They need the catalyst in order to change. And Jesus has launched us in order to be a catalyst of change and a reagent in the world. The third thing that he declared over you, because I really believe that when he said, you are the salt of the earth, he, was, he had in very mind us right now. Because he knew we would hear his words. And not just read his words, because we read his words, but hear his words in the gathering of believers. And so he was, he was saying that uh, you are to be distributed and engaged. You are the salt of what? Come on. Come on, it's right there. You are the salt of what? The earth. You're not the salt on the shelf. He could have said, well, you're the salt on the shelf. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, you're the salt on the table. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say you're the salt in the store. He didn't say that. He said you're the salt of the earth. That means distribution. Of the earth speaks of how we are to engage in the world that is around us. The truth is that salt does nothing if it is in isolation. Its purpose is not meant. And if you don't get anything else, we want to get a hold of that truth. Uh, as, we, as we talk about this and think about this today. It occurred to me as I was studying this that the enemy would just love for the salt of the earth to be all gathered in one place, one container called church. Because there's, he's happy with that. You just stay in there. Yeah. And I'll be out here. I'll, I'll, I'm out here fine. Just stay in there. And, and the enemy would... would Love for the church to be sequestered at home. Haven't we seen that over the last two years? And so we need to begin to think about that. About And I know there are many people that because of health concerns have to be at home. I know some that have to be at home, but they are still very engaged. Because there are many ways to be engaged even if you have to be at home and separated in that way. But we need to be distributed. We need to be engaged. But maybe the most important thing that Jesus was saying is this declaration is, you are very valuable. When, when he said salt, in the ancient world, they, they, they were awake to that. In the ancient world, salt, it was both common. There was salt in the earth, but it was also uncommon because pure salt uh, Pure salt was rare. It, it had to be uh, mined. It had to be carefully processed. In fact, in a pure form, salt was so valuable that Roman soldiers were often paid with it. They were paid salt. 
Here is your salt. Here is your salarium. The Latin word is salarium from salt. And, and that was the word where we get our word salary. That's where that comes from. And so if someone says uh, that, that fella is not worth his salt, they're saying he is not worth his salary. He's not worth what we're paying him is a statement that's being made. In a way, Jesus was saying, you are the currency of the kingdom. You're the engagement of the kingdom. Nothing happens without you. And so we, we don't have the option of opting out. We don't have the option of, of, of staying to ourselves. And so that's how very much we need to get a hold of this statement. You are the salt of the earth. Now you might wonder, well, how am I valuable? Well, salt was valuable in several ways. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that. And if you've ever studied these verses, you probably have studied this in some measure. But uh, salt, for one, is the oldest flavor enhancer that is on earth. It's been used as long as we know. Uh, on foods, to, to uh, season food, uh, to make it taste better, to bring out the taste. Uh, that's our most common use of salt in the modern world. And we would say, well, not too much, not too little. And just get it just right. And, and we taste the soup and taste it again to make sure we get it just right. But, but in other ways, it's a part of our food. In, in yeast bread, salt actually affects the texture. I didn't know this, but salt restructures the proteins and serves as a binder in meat and in cheese. It changes things. And if you've ever said, well, I'm just going to leave out the salt. I'm trying to go a little salt-free. And you leave out the salt from a recipe. And you say, there's something wrong. It's just not, it, it's not that it tastes a little different. The texture is not right. Salt brings a sweetness and suppresses uh, or balances the sweetness and it suppresses the bitterness to our taste. So we sometimes sprinkle it on something that wouldn't even make sense, but it brings the taste in a balanced sort of way. Uh, I like the way that the message uh, translation translates uh, Matthew 5.13. It says, words of Jesus, let me tell you why you are here. <laughs> Don't you like that? Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. I like that. That's what you are. It's not just what you're supposed to be. Of course we're supposed to be, but it's what he made you and me to be. As we engage to bring out the God flavors every place that we go. Now beyond that, and we've already kind of mentioned it, is that God uh, gave us salt as an essential nutrient. Salt is essential as an electrolyte, uh, as a balancing agent in the body. It functions to maintain healthy blood pressure as well as nerve and muscle function. If you don't have salt, and see, these days we hear, oh, salt is bad, salt is bad, salt is bad. Well, you do no salt long enough, you will die because you, you need the elements that are, you need the electrolytes. You need sodium. You go too low. I just read recently about someone, they, they died of low sodium. And so uh, I know high sodium can give you high blood pressure, but low sodium, you will die. Low sodium is extremely dangerous. And so Jesus was saying, you bring the essential spiritual nutrition to every conversation and place you go. 
Why don't you read that out loud with me? I think it's really important. You bring the essential spiritual nutrition to every conversation and place you go. That's what Jesus is saying. Is that you, Pastor Jeff? No, Jesus said this. We also know that salt is a preservative. It's one of the oldest uh, uses. Uh, is to, salt was widely used. It's used on fish. It's used on uh, all kinds of different meats. It's used in, uh, in cheese. Because salt, what it does, I didn't know how it did it, but I, but I learned a lot. This, aren't you glad your pastor learns things? Yeah. Um, salt alters the availability of water in foods, and it deprives microbes and pathogens uh, of the water, uh, that w- and then they die. It kills them. And so that's what we want to do. And Jesus was saying, your presence and the fruit of the Spirit remove the pathogens and the toxins from conversations that we enter into. Because, and that's what he wants us to do as salt of the earth. Salt is also an antiseptic. You know, one of the oldest things of advice, you get a sore throat, what does your mama say? Go gargle with salt water, and there's a reason why. I didn't know this, but, but salt, salt is an anti-inflammatory. So salt is a really powerfully good thing. It's something that we need to know. Salt is an antibacterial it's an antiviral and an antifungal agent. That's all really good. Salt will kill a lot of microbes and pathogens. It starves them of water. And then that can bring, that can allow for the healing process to take place for uh, conditions such as eczema, acne, and psoriasis. So, you know, often people say, well, why don't you get in some ocean water? People travel to Israel in order to get in the Dead Sea. It's the saltiest water on earth. And there's a lot of different uh, minerals that are in that salt water. And it's healing, the water is. And so this is very important for us. Your contact in the world brings the Spirit of God into contact with the spiritual bacteria and viruses of this age, the toxic pathogens that are out there. And they die. Have you ever seen that happen, that you can just be in a situation and just by bringing God presence, bringing God thought, bringing God spirit, and even some God word into a place, the toxicity just goes away. It cannot coexist with that antiseptic of God's spirit. Salt is a cleanser. For centuries, salt has been used to clean, especially household surfaces. Uh, they didn't have anything else. I didn't know this, but salt is, is very uh, present in shampoo and toothpaste. When you're brushing your teeth, there's salt in there because it, it's necessary. It's one of the things that helps to clean. And so your engagement in, in, in uh, people in conversation cleanses the hearts of those that you're engaging with by the presence of Jesus. Another thing about salt, it's one of the most obvious ones, is that salt creates thirst. If you, if you eat something salty, you want something to drink, don't you? Yeah, it just creates thirst. And the truth is, you are the salt of the earth, and your presence creates a thirst for God. I rarely hear of anybody who, who came to Jesus who did not get a thirst for God by being around someone 
God, the God presence, the salt of the earth made them thirst for God. So many times I hear it in a testimony. I saw this person at work and I just thought, I want, I want what they have. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, and then I went and asked, what, what is it that's so different about you? I, I have a thirst for what you have. And then eventually they came to know Jesus. And so it's very powerful for us to think about that. Almost every Christ follower will come through a thirst for God that is because of someone they encountered closely. So as a valuable, distributed Christ follower, you are all these things. Someone say hallelujah. Yeah, this is really an amazing pronouncement over you. And there are even some other things that I think are very powerful. There are some relational specifics when he says, you are the salt of the earth. Next, the next week is a, an important week because uh, many families are going to be gathering. And they ca- are coming back together. I talk to families who say, we haven't been together now in two years. Some of us in three years. And I don't know really what to think of it. I've even talked to people who have said, I'm kind of dreading getting back together. Why is that? Well, I don't know. You don't know my (laughs) sister-in-law. Or or there's the siblings who haven't talked now in a number of years. And and there there are these situations that are really, really tense. And sometimes Thanksgiving is, is okay, but it can be very, very difficult. And I want to suggest to you that you are the salt of the earth and you can make a big, big difference. As salt... You are a de-icing agent. (laughs) Yeah. Now, probably not in Judea. Jesus wasn't probably thinking of this image because I know it snows in in Judea, in Nazareth, about every 50 years. I've been there twice when it snowed. So, uh, and it was about 30 years apart. But it it doesn't snow very often in Israel. Uh, But I think Jesus knew every bit about the chemistry of, of salt. And what do I mean by a de-icing agent? Here, here's how it works. The presence of salt lowers the freezing point of water. And so have you ever put rock salt into a, an ice cream churn? Yeah. And you crank it or you turn it on and it lowers the freezing point of that water, that brine, it goes down so that it freezes up, it firms up the ice cream. But we also use it on sidewalks. Uh, some of you moved to Florida because you got tired of it on the roads up there. Uh, the freezing point, it, it melts, we would say, it melts the ice. And as kingdom salt, we are to help melt the icy divide that is sometimes between people. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to just calmly uh, speak or, or bring yourself into that situation. We're called to warm the hearts of people around us toward God. And it's through the fruit of the Spirit that we study so often. We're constantly engaged in ways uh, that we want to do that. And we want to make a straight path and melt off the ice that's on the highways. Thanksgiving is a really good time to think about this. And so I encourage you to think about de-icing some of those relationships as you see them. Now, um, the Word of God actually melts ice. Did you know that? 
I didn't know that, but there's a verse, Psalm 147, 18 says, then he gives a command and the ice melts. So bring the word of God into those conversations. That's not to hammer people with the Bible or anything like that. But, but don't be afraid of praying. Don't be afraid of lifting thanksgiving to God uh, at this season of the year. As we speak the word of God and the way of God, we bring the presence of the Lord into that situation. Proverbs 16 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words. We need to bring gracious words into those settings that are icy. Proverbs 26 says, and I love this one, without wood, a fire goes out, and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Don't feed the gossipy stuff, talking about other people, and the fire, the the dispute, the quarrel will die down. Secondly, you are a coolant. (laughs) And it's, it's very much like the coolant that we put in a car. Now, I don't suggest that you put salt into a radiator. Please don't do that because it'll do a lot of other kind of damage. But the presence of salt raises the boiling point of water, just like ethylene glycol, just like other coolants. And uh, I know there's a little chemistry in that. But water will reach its boiling point much slower with the salt in it. Isn't that amazing? You are the salt of the earth. You are the coolant for that situation. A situation will be slower to boil over with the addition of a Christ follower. Uh, Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, it's the weirdest thing at these holidays. You may be in the kitchen and something is said and and it's so easy to take it the wrong way and it's easy to get upset. Or it may be, you know, during the football game uh, or when politics comes up or whatever the discussions are. And a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. We don't want to be breaking the spirit. And thirdly, this is amazing because this is all stuff about salt. Jesus would have been saying, you are a fire extinguisher. I didn't know it, but salt is the primary extinguishing agent in many fire extinguishers. Salt dissipates heat from a fire and it allows other agents to smother the fire. Salt insulates uh, grease from flaming up or from flaring up. You know, you wonder sometimes what to do if you're on the grill and it starts flaring up and you think, well, I'll throw some water on it. That's not really very good. It just, it just moves the grease around and it messes up your food too. But, uh, but to put salt, not on the food, but to put salt on the flame will make it die down. It really does work. Proverbs uh, 17 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So we need to cover. Salt is a covering that can extinguish a fire. You know that I love doing theater at the local Cocoa Village Playhouse. And um, it seems like every season uh, our director, Stacy, will come to me and she'll say, uh, Jeff, I, I really want you to do a show. And, and I'm, I'm just so complimented. I think she, she really likes my voice. <laughs> She must really like the way that I act. And I I say, well, 
uh, well, what show, are, what show do you have in mind? Do you have a specific role in mind? And she says, oh, no, I just want you to be in a show. And I say, well, now, why is, why is that? And she says, because when you're in a show, there's peace in the cast. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. And as much as I can, you know, about once a year, I try to do that. Something far more important is to be an agent of peace. We, we prayed that prayer last week and an instrument of peace. But Jesus has this other part. You know, so many times in scripture, there's this powerful truth. And then there's this funny word in there, but. And it, what comes after it? Jesus says, but. You are the salt of the earth, but. If salt has lost its taste, what is, what is, what, what is that about? And, and the thing is, he's still talking about you. He's still talking about me. He's saying, Jeff, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste. And the word taste is translated, also translated, lost its savor or its flavor or its tang. Is a really kind of good way to we know what salt tastes like if it loses that taste. The truth is that sodium chloride, uh, salt as we know it, can't lose its saltiness. It cannot lose it. But it can lose its taste when it is adulterated or diluted. Salt that has been polluted was not good for much. In fact, Jesus says it's only good to be put onto, uh, thrown out onto the road. And it would sometimes be used that way because it could help harden the road or it would be put on a roof to harden the roof, the earth on a roof. He, he says, Jesus says, it's no longer good for anything. I, I just have to say, I never want to hear those words for Jesus to say, you're no longer good for anything. Wow. You're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And the truth that we need to get from that is, when we lose our tang, our distinctive saltiness, we are not good for anything. And, and we may harden the path of those seeking the kingdom. And that is quite different than where we want to be. And I think that's the next slide. So how does that happen? I mean, how could we lose our taste or, or, or our tang or our savor as salt? And I want to I just show you three primary threats to your savor. And the first one is isolation. Pure salt, if it's kept on a shelf, it's still immensely valuable, but it's totally useless. It has no savor or tang because it is not in contact with anything that can uh, take the tang or taste the tang. It can't be tasted. It can't have any influence. And you may have noticed over here uh, this funny jar that I have. And uh, in this jar, there is a white crystalline substance. Do you know what it is? What, what, do, what do you think it is? Because it can actually be one of about a dozen different... If it came from a chem lab, it could be one of about a dozen different uh, chemical compounds... If I told you, all right, I'll give you a hint. It came from our kitchen. What would you say? What? Salt, water, sugar, <laughs> not water, sugar. So 
you have about 50-50 chance on this. By the looks of it, probably not baking soda. But you don't know, do you? The only way that I can find out what this is, the only way is to open this up and to, to distribute a little bit of it. I'm going to distribute a little bit of it on my hand. And what do I have to do now? I mean, I do. I have to taste it. Now I know. You don't, but I know. And that's the only way that I can know what this is. And we need to get a hold of that truth, I think especially now. I was talking to someone recently and they said, with with great concern, they said, we've been talking about what has happened during pandemic. Is the church, Christendom, the the larger church, is it ever going to recover? Is it ever going to come back? They said, I know many people that aren't coming back. And that's a concern. But the main thing is that we figure out how to be distributed and not isolated. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Wow. We're to be a gathered people. Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one. It's not a new issue, is it? But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to gather together and we need to be distributed And as I said, I know that there are people who cannot come out to gather, but we need to begin to gather as best we can, connect as best we can. The second threat to our savor, uh, the second way that we lose savor is through dilution. If salt is mixed with sand, it becomes useless. I mean, it isn't really good. I mean, you can put it on the road is what you can do with it. And so when we become so mixed with the world and its ways that we're no longer distinguishable, we've lost our savor. You know, a a good question to ask every once in a while is, would the people around you be surprised to learn that you claim to be a Christ follower? Oh, really? I wouldn't have thought that. Well, why not? You're just so much like everybody else. You, you, you blend in with the us <laughs> so very well. You do all the same things that we do at work. You laugh and tell the same kind of jokes. There, there isn't really any kind of difference. James 1 says, religion that is pure and undefiled. And it's talking about a faith walk that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit orphans, orphans and widows in their affliction, to have compassion and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We reject that and say, well, that sounds like legalism. It's not legalism. It's, a, it's about holiness. Remember we said last week, he's more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. 2 Timothy 4 says it this way, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. 
what I want, I want you to teach me something that'll that'll agree with what I want, what I want to do, what I want to live. The third way that we lose savor is by kind of an over-concentration. That piece of pizza does not look very good, does it? (laughs) I had to look around for that. I didn't make that. Uh, but every once in a while, have you ever been in a restaurant and someone went to shake the, the shaker and the whole thing, the top fell off and the whole thing went on to their meal and, uh, and there's a heap of crystals on our food and that's, the truth is that too much uh, salt is too much, isn't it? It's just too much. And too much salt on a wound. Um, salt water is actually healing. Salt has been used as antiseptic for a long, long time. But we have this saying that rubbing salt into a wound, uh, it stings, and partly because it's so rough. It should not be rubbed into a wound. I looked this up to make sure. It's a bad practice. So how we engage is really, really important. We have to be carefully led by the Spirit so as not to overwhelm too much salt. I love 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord... Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know that you can speak word of God without dumping a Bible. You can do it. Just speak the truth of God and you don't have to give a, a chapter and verse. Or You just speak God's word. Just speak God's truth into those situations. So you are the salt of the earth, friends. And so let's do everything we can to not lose our savor. Well, I decided to join the ranks of the, of the paraphrasers and translators. And so I've written this verse uh, in Matthew 5.13 in the PJV, Pastor Jeff Version. And I want us uh, to just hear this. I want to read this uh, to you and just for us to hear this. I think this is the heart of Jesus. You are so valuable to me. I have commissioned you as my change agent on this earth, the flavoring, preservative, and cleanser of the world. I want you to be different from what is around you. I want you to have tang. I want you to be my de-icer, coolant, and fire extinguisher in the places I take you, but you must stay engaged, be distributed, not isolated, don't get diluted by the world, and be careful to engage with gentleness and mercy. Let's pray. Now, it may be that you came here uh, or you've connected online and you've realized, I haven't even begun this journey with Jesus. I haven't begun the launch part of this so that I could be called salt of the earth. I want to be salt of the earth. And you can change that with a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I want to be salt of the earth. I want to be saved. I want to be set apart. Save me and forgive me of my sin and begin me on this journey that I may walk with you that I may be salt of the earth, that that I may be the flavoring, the preservative, the cleanser that is out there because that is what I want. I am thirsty for you. And if you pray a prayer like that, 
He very much comes into your heart, comes into your life. He saves us and sets us on that journey. God, I thank you that you have given us such depth that across ages we can understand and hear a little differently than the first hearers, the truth of who we are to be and how we are to engage. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.